Welcome to the Spurs News Podcast, your home for all things Spurs. And now, let's join our hosts. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Spurs News Podcast, the latest episode where we talk all things Tottenham Hotspur. Helping me get through an hour of that without jumping out the window is my good friend, Matt. Do you know what, do you know what mate? I've got nothing but admiration for, for the people that listen to us, seeing as we're a Spurs <laughs> podcast. I mean, yeah, I'll take my hat off to you. <laughs> I mean, me personally, I'm trying to avoid Spurs wherever I can. <laughs> Oh, it's it's dark times at the minute. It's dark times. It is. He says in his best West Country accent. <laughs> it's weird, man. I um, I mean, we, me and they have talked about it before. You know, we've lived through some crap watching us, and then that this since the restart, it's been kind of like, oh, okay, this is like the next level of that. Oh, but, fair enough. But you know the, the the weird. You know, saying about being weird. What makes it weird for me is that. We've had what two two wins, two draws, and one defeat, which is all right. It's not the best return from the five games, but yeah, it's not it's yeah, not no. the worst. But no. it absolutely feels like it's the worst because it's just watching them is just painful at the moment. Like yeah. it, they, they, yeah. I, I, I keep I keep, and I know we keep saying about you know that saying it's the hope that kills you. I just hope right the next game <laughs> I watch and they'll be like ah oh, there we go. Look at least they've entertained me in this game, but no. Yeah. They just haven't. Like, why am I? Why have I put myself for another 90, 90 minutes or one hundred and two minutes of this? You know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did like the fact that someone tweeted after that game. They were something like that is a hundred and th- I think they wrote down as a hundred and three minutes five seconds that I'm never getting my life back. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly yes, what I thought. I kept. Yes, I kept count. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, I hear you, Ben. I mean, um, I, 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 as you know, I do like a basic running order for this show. So I'm going to reveal this to the audience, okay? So this is the basic running order for today's show. It says open. So that's me and Matt saying hello. We're doing that now. And then I've put a little addendum in there saying Amazon teaser trailer, because, of course, that dropped today. Um, but, yeah, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But then I've got talk about the 1-0 win over Everton. Talk about the 0-0 draw with Bournemouth. And I'm like, that's going to take 30 seconds. Mm. <laughs> we won 1-0 against Everton. It was awful. Everton were worse. We drew 0-0 with Bournemouth. We're lucky they can't finish. We were awful. <laughs> I've just summed up those two games. You get the feeling as well that if we talk about the two games, anyone, everyone that's listening will be like, well, that's the however amount yeah. of time that I'm not going to get back. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. yeah, I sat through them. Don't talk about it. Yeah, yeah no, that's fair. Don't yeah. add to the misery. Well, well, um, we'll start with the Amazon teaser then. Um, me and you have talked about this ever since it was announced. We've laughed about it. We've cried about it. We've talked in. We've kind of gone over it. Um, we, we, we've got a vested interest in it, which will become apparent. But seeing this teaser trailer today, it's like, what, 15 seconds long or 20 seconds long? Mm. Oh, man, it made me feel ill. Yeah. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna have to watch it. I mean, I run a Facebook page of Spurs fans. I can't keep the content of that relevant and do a podcast on the club and not watch this documentary. So I'm gonna have to watch it. Oh, mate! But it's gonna be painful. You know, you know, you know. Listen, I know I'm taking it to massive extremes now, but yeah. you know when you get police officers who work in sort of really dark sections of of like you know that's yeah. what they have to deal with and they have to yeah. they have to watch 
certain things for their job. Yeah, yeah. We'll Mate, yeah. Look, don't get me wrong. I know that's like on a different level, but yeah, there's, there's an element. <laughs> there is there is an element of. You have like because I mean look I'm I don't know if I'm, I don't think I'm going to watch it mate I I will put it out there I, I don't know if I'll, I'll yeah. put myself through it but yeah I guess if you know you, you're you're the man in charge so you know you've got to watch yeah. it you've got no no you got no choice then. you got no choice <laughs> I, I love I love that I love the glee you had in your voice then as well like and by the way everyone that sucker right there yeah that guy <laughs> unlucky I mean I do the um the, the score updates on our Facebook page as well and I I mean I don't I don't mind doing it. Cause because I'm watching the game anyway, and it's kind of a fun thing to do, or at least it used to be. Um, and, and now, I like I posted at halftime versus Bournemouth. I posted on BBC One right now. The One Show has Pixie Lot as a guest <laughs> on ITV. They're about to do a new series of Who's Been Framed. Who knew that show was still on? Yeah. Um, go watch something else. I have to keep watching the Duties updates. You lot don't. <laughs> just just go and live your lives. Be don't free, do my friends. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because cause, I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, I, me and you joked about the first half the other day, I think it was Everton, could cure insomnia. Mm. Um, The first half versus Bournemouth, I think, could kill people. I, yeah. I generally think if you were like narcoleptic and stuff, that could put you to sleep and you never wake up. Yeah. I, I just, it, I, just it was, I don't, I, it was awful. I don't understand. I, I genuinely don't. Like, what, what was the stat that we, I think you, we, you, we shared it on the page as well before you shared it yeah. on Messenger. But is it something like 186 games they've got on Bournemouth? <laughs> where, where, like, no, every single, every single yeah. time in that 186, the, the, the opposition have at least registered one shot on target. And that was the first time in that amount of games that a team hadn't. Yeah, I, so basically, I, the I, last time. A team failed to register a shot on target against Bournemouth was Middlesbrough in 2005 in the oh, championship. Mate, 15 years ago. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. I, I ge- think it was 2005. Anyway, I might have to double check that. It could have been. It could have been different. So apologies if I got that wrong because I was doing that from memory. But yeah, it was Middlesbrough. It was in the championship. It might have been different but anyway it, it's like it was a ridiculous amount like 186 games consecutive premier league games as well that they so basically ever since they've got in the premier league people have always had at least one shot on target against bournemouth <laughs> till wow. tottenham came along <laughs> do, do you know do you know what do you know what i was thinking though we could have had one shot on target what what was your take yeah. on that penalty that well wasn't? yeah i mean it's well worth us discussing because of course goals change games um, you know, Bournemouth were able to sit in a very rigid shape and try and hit us on a counter. If we'd gone one nil up within five minutes, of course they'd have had to have been more open, and perhaps that could have led to us demolishing them. And all of a sudden, we're really confident, and you know all that fun stuff. But the reality is, it wasn't given, and the game went the way it did. Now, it's a penalty all day long. It's a penalty, and what makes it worse for me is that VAR now exists. Which means some prat watched that on a TV screen, knowing the rules of football, being a fully qualified FA Premier League level referee, and went, nah. And it all comes down to this clear and obvious to overrule your your colleague crap. Mm. And it's it's an old boys club. The referees don't want to overrule each other, do they? No, of course. Yeah. But it's like, oh no, if I'm watching his game this week and he's watching mine next week, I don't want him changing my decision, so I'm not gonna change his. Yeah. And and it's a shower. It is absolutely proven to be a shower. Because that there were three penalty decisions last night, okay, across various games. Now I've not seen any of them but the Kane one. 
but I've been following this story today because the Premier League review VAR decisions and the Premier League have said all three were wrong. Wow. So three decisions made by on-field referees backed up by VAR and the Premier League within 24 hours have gone, yeah, they were wrong. So focusing on us, it is just a continuation of this feeling of what the hell is going on with our club that, you know, after what happened with Lucas Mora, and that's another thing as well. <laughs> so you've got me going now. <laughs> well done, Matt. Nice one. Um, last night, right, I'm watching this game, and bear in mind that I'm drifting off to sleep because of how crap it is, <laughs> but Bournemouth score a goal. And I'm like, oh, you're kidding me. This is unbelievable. This is ridiculous. But it was given offside. VAR checked it. It's clearly offside. They then got a free kick because the referee had played advantage from a foul and then they went on, crossed the ball, scored a goal. So his restart in the game was like, okay, they didn't get the advantage, therefore we come back to the free kick. Against Sheffield United, Lucas Mora was fouled and then they booted the ball against his arm. By the way, the FA and FIFA have now said, following that incident, they're going to change the handball rule. <laughs> Hilarious. <sighs> Um, but my point here is that game restarted with a free kick to Sheffield United for a handball. Mm, that's right. So what have I missed here? What? Because I I highlighted this last week about the Sheffield United game because that didn't make any sense to me. It's like how if the referee's given it is he said that basically because Kane scored the advantage was over. The fact that it's then ruled out. It means nothing. They almost like the two things cancel each other out. It's ridiculous, isn't it? It's like we go to some kind of weird vortex. (laughs) But then, like, literally the following week, um, I know the games are coming thick and fast, but it is basically the exact same thing. They've scored. It's been ruled out by VAR, but the game's being restarted with their free kick. Yeah, that's right. Which is what... I'm I'm baffled by that, and I, I I actually know someone who's a qualified referee, and I've been meaning to message him because I was just like, can you give me some kind of insight? And the only thing I can think of is just his good old fashioned interpretation of the rules and the referee's inconsistency. Mm. But yeah, but isn't that what VAR is meant to be for? To to get rid of the inconsistencies. Oh, oh man, you'd think, wouldn't you? <laughs> um, v, VAR appears to be there literally to go, yeah, you're right. <sighs> yeah, you're oh. right. Yeah. yeah, you're right. It would appear to me that to get a VAR decision, so the referee to get something overturned, you pretty much need to machine gun somebody in the box and the mm. referee to miss it, <laughs> look round and go, no penalty, and a VAR is going to go, oh, yeah, you know, he did kind of kill 12 people. You are going to have to give a penalty for that. <laughs> it, it's ridiculous. Mm. It is, you know, do you remember that? I can't remember which manager said it, but he said to get a penalty at Old Trafford, you needed Rio Ferdinand to basically stab someone. That's right, yeah. And that's how it feels with VAR. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, to get out of, unless you're Man United, of course, where basically you can run into a box, kick a defender's leg, go down and get a penalty given. Mm. Mm. That's bizarre, isn't it? The level of penalties they're getting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that that is bizarre. I mean, they got one against... Well, they got two against us, but VAR actually said on the second one. But like, the second one, again, that's another thing. VAR literally looked at it and went, yeah, he dived. The bloke didn't get booked. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And yeah. so it's kind of like, well, well, hang on. What is VAR doing here? 
Um, do you remember the 2018 World Cup where basically any time there was something like that in a box, the VAR official would go, right, go look at this because I think there's a penalty there. Mm. The referee would run to the side of the pitch, look at the monitor and go, yeah, right, I see what you mean and go back and give a decision. Yeah. That's apparently what they're going to be doing next year in the Premier League because that's what they've done in other leagues. And Pierluigi Colina, you remember that Italian ref, you know, looked like a psychopath. Scary looking dude, yeah. Yeah, that's the guy, yeah. He's the head of referees for world football now. Okay. Um, yeah, so he's saying that the Premier League are doing an awful job of implementing VAR, and he's right. Yeah, I second, <laughs> I, I second it, yeah. yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, if I didn't agree with him, I'd still agree with him, because the guy looks terrifying. Oh, yeah. Just agree with anything he said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I believe this team... Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Whatever you said, sir, completely agree with you. Um, Why has he not been a yeah. baddie in a film by now? <laughs> yeah, you'd think, wouldn't you? If, if Eric Cantona can get cast in films, then Pierluigi Colina should have been in at least one guy Richard. Yeah, or James... He He's should be in a James Bond film by now as a bad guy, surely. Oh, definitely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect to give a penalty. Yeah. <laughs> um... So, yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, and I think perhaps our listeners would be pleased if we don't, I I, I think I'm going to skip over talking about Everton and Bournemouth. Yeah. It was crap. Mm. <laughs> I I, um, I tend to try and, you know, like me and you have said before, we try and find positives in things. I'm struggling with both of those games. I like, and Dembele came on, and I felt against Bournemouth looked quite sharp. But then I always say this, Whenever a player comes on, it's like, oh, you know, they've come on and looked really good there. It's like against tired legs, you know, they should come on and look good. Yeah. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's yeah. like if they come on and look crap, you, you should really judge them. If they come on and look good, then that's kind of where they should be. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah I, uh, I can think of a positive. Oh, go on. It's over. Two clean sheets. There we go. Wow, Matt. Well done. <laughs> that, that was delightful. Um. I I don't really take deep dives into stats. I kind of like your version of stats. Like Matt's stats on this show, back when we had fun stats to talk about, that was a feature every <laughs> week, everybody. Um, no, not so much, because Matt's stats would basically, we're still cracked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is our lowest points total in five years. We just don't want to know. We don't want to know the stats yeah. at the moment, do we? <laughs> yeah, so we kind of check them and go, nah, maybe we'll keep that feature on ice yeah. for a little while. <laughs> Um, but anyway, I like the kind of like, oh, uh, the stupid one, like I gave you last week, Harry Kane is now scored on every day of the week and every month of the year in the Premier League, which is probably a record, providing we don't have any more global pandemics sure. that is going to stand forever, yeah. which is kind of crazy, kind of fun. But um, I know there's like, um, there's like data now, you can access all of this data that like, uh, sports scientists look at and stuff like all these players and their heat maps and their positions for an entire 90 minutes and I did see this shared on Twitter and I shared it with you and I shared it with everyone in our Spurs chat because I was just blown away by it but also I've seen today people showing the difference now what it is is an average position of a player over 90 minutes mm-hmm. so for the entire game the players are tracked and then their average position on the field is then shown on this at the end of the game. So, you know, if you've got a goalkeeper, for example, his average position is going to be, you know, in the <laughs> in the box. At least it bloody ought to be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Bruce Grobelars was around the halfway line, <laughs> if anyone remembers him. Um, but, you know, your central defenders are going to be sort of kicking around where they should be. What 
is mightily depressing about the Tottenham thing for our last few games is the average position of every player is in our own half. Yeah, yeah. In last night's game, Ben Davis, Eric Lamella, and Serge Aurier were the only players who were, and not fully over the line either, like were nudging over the halfway line <laughs> in their average position. You know, so Harry Kane basically played central midfield. Uh, for the last three games, his position, if you were playing netball, would be centre. He's like smack bang in the middle of the pitch. Trying to get the ball, I think. <laughs> trying to do something. Hey, everybody, remember me? I play here too. Um, yeah, it's just it's yeah, not great, So that was it? depressing. Now, at the start of this season, we were playing under Mauricio Pochettino, and all of us were watching us going, oh, wow, we're not playing well. You know, it ain't good. It ain't good to watch, is it? You know, we're not playing well. Against Newcastle, we beat them 3-1 at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. We were 1-0 down. No, not Newcastle, sorry, Aston Villa. Um, uh, we beat them 3-1, I think it was, anyway. It was, it was. It, no, yeah, we, lost one, we lost 1-0 to Newcastle. I was there. All right, okay, sorry, Villa then. <laughs> Villa, I think we beat them 3-1 under Pochettino. And the, the map for our average position of our players... Only two players' average position was in our half. Yeah. For the whole game, basically, we just absolutely dominated them. We were flying forward at every opportunity, and the two players—one was the goalkeeper, and one was one of the defenders. I, I don't know the personnel on the day, but just looking at the numbers and thing, it's like under Pochettino, and that continued. So, like even games we were losing, the average position of the players was in a very attacking stance. Mm. And then you get to where we are now, where it's like everybody's back. But like you just said, we've had two clean sheets, so <laughs> maybe this is the way. Yeah, it's the Mourinho way, isn't it? As we all know, it's, it's hashtag Jose Ball. God, now let's talk about Jose Mourinho, shall we? Because when he joined us, I I was in a kind of really oh, I don't know, I don't know how I feel, I don't know how I feel. And you were enthusiastic as hell. It was the hope. And you you really sold me on it, though. Like, your enthusiasm, I was like, do you know what? Matt's right. Yeah, he's he's a proven winner. We're going to win some trophies. He's got a point to prove after all the criticism he had at Man United. Yeah, you know, you really sold me on him, man. <clears throat> so, Matthew, <laughs> and I'm full naming you here. <laughs> How do you feel about Jose Mourinho right now? Oh mate, yeah. Well, all I can say is a lot of that enthusiasm's gone. <laughs> <laughs> You're being very polite. You can tell your kids are home today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, I don't know. It's really difficult, isn't it? Because you look, you look, you look at the squad. Like you look at the squad we have, and we have some yeah. such exciting attacking players. Yeah. But we're just playing drab football, aren't we? I, I don't understand. It doesn't. The, the players we have, and then the, the what we've seen on the pitch doesn't seem to to to, to match. And no. No. yeah, I know we I know we always you know talk about the, the Pochettino era and you know how attacking we were. And I, I guess we we were just spoiled by it. And oh, I don't know. Yeah. I I just I, I keep thinking that if he wins us a trophy, it will feel the same as when George Graham won us a League Cup. That's how it will feel for me. <laughs> that we've won a trophy, but we're just watching dire yeah. football every week. Well, this is the thing I, I struggle, I think, to get across to uh, younger fans who never went through that. Because there is a generation of fans who basically uh, started supporting Tottenham 
with kind of AVB mm. uh, or Harry Redknapp. Um, and so, or even Martin Yole to a certain extent. And so basically they've only ever seen us as a Europa League challenging, trying to push the Champions League. Yeah, we might have a bad season, but then boom, we swap the manager and away we go again. Do you, do you know what mm. I mean? They've only ever seen us actually being a kind of top six side, if that makes sense. Um, I, I'm trying to like get across to them what it was like to watch us under George Graham. Because of course, if you just look at the stats, it's like, well, he did pretty well to kind of mid-table in with a very poor side won a cup you know what more do you want it's kind of like yeah well kind of maybe to be entertained yeah <laughs> yes because you know, I, I remember um going to a game and it, it was like empty seats everywhere like i could literally like on the day and even back then <laughs> could you imagine um any other time where you could just go rock up to white art lane they'd be like yeah tickets are available yeah yeah doesn't anymore, does it? <laughs> like, no, it was mental. And um, I, I went with like one of my friends and we watched the game and I came away and he, he was like, I don't think I'm going to go again. <laughs> and, and it was a genuine thing. It was just, it was so bad. Mm. But what is really hitting me, and I think it's because I, I did see that, I watched it live and I watched it on TV, is this kind of inability to hold the ball longer than three or four passes. And that, to me, is like the real kind of throwback to where we were, which was just so scrappy, so crap, so dull. Like, if we did pass the ball, it went sideways, and then someone would lump it. And I don't know about you, but I'm watching us under Jose Mourinho, and I didn't mind the idea of us going forward faster. You know, like, I I was never a massive fan of Pochettino's approach of we will always play out from the back. Hmm. Like so, for me, it was like now nah, throw some variation in there because if you always play it out, then what teams are going to do is stick everybody man marking you because they know you're always going to play it out. Yeah, of course. So when Jose first came in, and I think we went three nil up against West Ham by basically bypassing that initial press, I was kind of like, yeah, fantastic. This is this is going to be good. But I watched us against Everton. I watched us against Bournemouth. I struggle. And I've not looked this up. This is just me from watching it. I struggle to think of instances where we retain the ball for four passes. Mm-hmm. Like pass, pass, kick. Oh, no, we've lost possession. Yeah. Pass, pass, lost possession. It is, it is crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so bad. I mean, Bournemouth could have scored, you know, forget the one they scored that was offside. They could have scored two other goals. Um, a great save from Lloris and a poor finish for a different one. Um Against Arsenal this weekend, we got the North London derby. You got to you got to believe that Aubameyang ain't gonna miss those. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, I, I I am dreading this game against Arsenal more than I have dreaded any game against them since the nineties. Yeah, I, I don't go I don't go into it with any confidence at all. I mean, they they've not had they've been a little little inconsistent. Uh, you know, yeah, still since the lot after the lockdowns finished, or after the after the seasons resumed, yeah, they had a couple of bad results, didn't they, against Brighton? But they've sort they, of come on did. strong now, yeah. haven't they? So, yeah. I, yeah, it's 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 really depressing, isn't it? Because, like it I say, is. we we have been spoiled over the last few years, and I mean, I you know, you talk about the the, the fact that we keep losing the ball. In his heyday, I know he sort of went off the boil a little bit towards the end, but you know, you think of Ericsson when when it, when we was yeah. really strong and then Dembele 
you know, we had players who could create, who could retain, and I don't know. Do you think it's because we're missing them? I mean, do you think it's all to do with with his tactics, or is it just we've lost players that that made us tick before? Honestly, I think it is a it is a failure of um, rejuvenating the squad. Team enrichment. There you go. Yeah. Um, because when you got players that are coming to the end of a natural cycle. They need to move. Um, and I think Christian Eriksen, for example, it wasn't that he didn't enjoy playing for Tottenham. It wasn't that he didn't enjoy playing for Mauricio Pochettino. He did a really great interview recently, basically clarifying some stuff that hit the British press about winning trophies. Because when he left, there was the headline about, you know, I left to play for Inter because I had a you know better chance of winning something. And he was like, that's because in England, it is bloody hard to win something. Mm. He's like, you know, in Italy... You can kind of say that Juventus, Inter, maybe one of the others might pick up, but it's probably going to be one of them. In Holland, you know, Ajax and PSV. <laughs> in Spain, Barcelona and Real Madrid are probably going to pick it up. He's like, in England, he's like, one season, Leicester came out of nowhere and won something. It's like, what? Mm, yeah. <laughs> he's like, how did that ever happen? <laughs> and it doesn't happen anywhere else. And and it's unique in English football that we do have such a strong competition, which is both great and really frustrating. But he that was his point. He was kind of I decided I wanted to move on. I wanted to play in a different country. I wanted to do that. You know, I wanted to play in Spain or Italy. I got the opportunity to go to Italy when I did. I had the opportunity to go to Spain a year earlier, but the club didn't let me. He's like, you know, that's what it is. Now that to me brings me back to the kind of management of the squad if I'm a sporting director for example and I've got a player who goes right um I've loved my time here but I want to go and play in Spain and Real Madrid want to buy me um I don't know what you value me at but I I want to make that move my immediate reaction is okay I've now got a player who wants to leave we need to replace him. So, you know, you sit down with Pochettino, the manager, whoever it is, or Jose now, and it's like, okay, this guy wants to go. Um, we can obviously keep him here because he's under contract, but his performances are never going to be to the level we want him to be. Mm. Less, you know, you know, what can we do? And what is frustrating, and I think possibly the Amazon documentary could cover some of this, but I think with the Amazon documentary, everyone's going to have to remember that Enoch and Daniel Levy have kept the final edit rights. So <laughs> um, you've got to keep in mind that anything that's shown on that has been edited or filtered via them. Mm. Um, you know, we identified Bruno Fernandes. Now, if anyone's watched him play for Man United you can see exactly why he was identified as the Ericsson replacement. Because he's creating constantly, he's always looking to move forward, he's threading passes. The big difference probably with Ericsson is that he seems to be able to score from open play a little bit more. Um, Ericsson was kind of more of a set-piece specialist back when he was you know, really trying. Um, and we didn't do it. You know, We retained Ericsson for that year too long. Um, and then he ran down his contract. He's like, well, I'm not signing. You know, I told you a year ago I wanted to leave. Yeah. <laughs> you know? He's as frustrating as that is for me as a fan. I, as a person, I can completely understand where he's coming from. You know, it's like, well, I've been honest. I've been up front. 
I've now a year later the media have asked me I've told them I'm I'm going <laughs> I've told them I want to go it's now up to you whether you're going to force me to stay here for a whole another season and then I'll leave for free or you sell me and he got made to stay for another half a season it, it, it's, it's bizarre to me and it, it comes down to the mismanagement of the squad you know we could have got a hundred million for him we then go into the following summer where the best offer we were getting was 40 million and Daniel Levy knew he had to spend 60 something million to get Bruno Fernandes so he was holding on to try and basically get the money for Ericsson so he could sell Ericsson and buy Bruno you know, Bruno Fernandez has said in an interview he was, he was met Mauricio Pochettino. He was, you know, he was he thought he was going to Tottenham, but Tottenham couldn't get the deal done. I think he actually said they couldn't agree the fee that you know Sporting wanted, and then Man United did. So frustrating, isn't it? Well, it is frustrating when you think about it. That basically, if we had the offer on the table for Ericsson of forty million, which it seems to be widely reported and accepted, it was there. If we take, in essence, we'd have to have been spending twenty million to bring in Bruno Fernandez. So in essence, you know, we'd be down twenty million. But you're getting a sixty-five, seventy-five million pound football player for twenty million quid, in essence. And not only that, you're replacing a key member of the squad. You know, the way Mauricio Pochettino played, he had a system, and the players needed to buy into that system and play within that system. And that's kind of how he worked. You know, that's how Ferguson worked in the past, how Wenger worked in the past, and then you bring players through the academy to slot in, and you sign players to come in to slot in. But it, you need to keep it fresh, because otherwise, if you don't, it becomes stale. And I, and I just think, looking at our team now, they all just look like a group of players that don't want to be there. No, you're right, yeah. And I, I love the guy with all of my heart in Harry Kane, but he's looking the same way. He genuinely, to me, just looks like, why am I still here? Mm. Why, why am I, why am I doing this? Why am I running myself into the ground? You, you know, for this, for, for, for what? He just, and you know, some of that body language could be the lack of fans in the stadium. I was wondering about, you know, because, you know, fans getting behind you, the noise in the stadium. Sometimes that gives you that lift, and you're running around and you're losing with no fans there. I mean, that's got to just be even more disheartening, hasn't it? You know? <laughs> yeah, of course it is. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing when, when you're down, you want, you know, you want the fans to kind of give you the lift, get, get you back motivated again, don't you? So without that, yeah. I mean, I actually, um, I've watched the first few games with the, with the sound on, I think I said this to you with the fake yeah, FIFA 20, yeah, yeah. but I thought maybe, and I know <laughs> obviously it doesn't make a difference, but in your mind you think, well, maybe if I just watch it with the sound off, it might yeah. change. Like, you know, maybe I'm just... Yeah, I, I, I've tried all of that. Maybe I'm putting the kiss of death on it. So I watched it with the sound off against Bournemouth and no. It's actually like nothing I've done at home here no. has changed things for the football club. <laughs> no, yeah, I know. I, uh, well, I hear what you're saying and yeah, I've done the same. I rem- if you remember correctly, in the game against Ajax, after we... Um, I can't remember when it was. Uh, I'd had to mute it for some reason. And we scored, so right. I had to leave the last part of the game on mute because I couldn't dare put the sound on again in case you know, in case something bad happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's funny how you and get. So that. I, so Lucas Moore scored the winner, and I, I was just like, didn't have the sound on. It's hilarious. <laughs> anyway, that's a stupid story. Um, mate, let's let's uh, we've had some things on the Facebook page. I haven't had a chance to look at these. 
So again, I, I don't know whether we've already answered some of them or not, but yeah, we did have a fair few questions. I think we'll head across to the Facebook page now and, and see what people have got to say. Cool. And now it's time for your comments directly from our Facebook page. been quite good recently you know because i've been expecting it to just be absolute manic depression but people have actually been kind of asking quite sensible questions oh that's good have we got the same well, same high volume we got last week or we is it calm down uh, no 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 it's, it's not as many i'm pleased to say because there was no way we got through that many again um scott kinsey nielsen says are we any better off than when we let pochicino go the problems all started when we let Dembele leave. How many others realise this? Tripp said it only last week. I've been saying it for 16 months. Problems started then and with a lack of investment in playing squad. We were shocking tonight. He obviously wrote this. <laughs> we have been for some time. We need... Uh, he says Posh back, but I'm guessing he means Pochettino. We need Pochettino back to galvanise the team and get us playing again. I think the br- the break has done him good, and uh, we now need him more than ever. Um, well, I I stand by the fact it would be the perfect end to the Amazon documentary. Him walking back through the door, going, "Guess who's back? Back again." Um, Scott, it's an interesting take about putting it all on the Dembele thing because. What Trippier was trying to say was he felt that Dembele could have made the difference in the Champions League final and the club let him go without replacing him, basically. Um, From my take, and I'll ask you for yours, Matt, it wasn't down to that one player. It wasn't down to that one transfer. You've got to remember that Dembele was a shadow of himself before we sold him. You know, for the back end of the previous season and the front end of that season, because he left in January, he was nothing like the player we'd all loved for the last two to three years. And that was injuries had got to him. He couldn't keep up with the league anymore. Ask him himself. He's given countless interviews about this. He still loves the club, talks about Tottenham on a regular basis. And he says, you know, I, I just couldn't do it. He's like, I made my mind up that I needed to move to a different league. Um, this opportunity came up, fantastic opportunity for me and my family. And he's like, so I asked, you know, I asked the club to do it. He said, now I could have gone at the end of the season, um, but I would have gone for free. So I completely respect the club, you know, negotiating a fee for me. And, and that was that was what happened. Um, could he have made a difference in the Champions League final? It's kind of like saying... You know, if someone else had played, it could have made a difference. You know, Lucas starting over Harry Kane might have made a difference. We'll never know. You you can't know. Um, I've I've said it loads of times with the Lucas Kane thing. You know, what if we'd been given that penalty in the opening few minutes without Kane on the pitch because Lucas started and we missed it? Everyone would be screaming that Kane should have started. Mm. So you know, that's the life of football. What do you think, Matt, about that? Well, it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier about Ericsson, that, you know, like he, 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 he was, like you say, he wasn't the player that he was yeah. in the, like the real peak of, 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 uh, of, of, of his career. Uh, those two seasons, yeah. the last two at the lane. Yeah, he, 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 he wasn't that player anymore. And so, yeah. and he knew that, we knew that. And, I always remember, I think we did a podcast when he left and we kind of was like, just wish him well. You know, he didn't feel any bitterness. Yeah, He's like, no. yep, he clearly no. isn't the player he was. You know, let's wish him well. 
But then it's what, like what you were saying about Ericsson. Like there should have been a replacement there. There should there should have been, you know, there should have been a player like him brought in to replace yeah. him, and there wasn't. And and it and it's just this reoccurring thing that that just seems yeah. to have been happening over the last few years that's brought us to where we are now. So I don't. What I, is, sorry, mate. Go on. Sorry. No, I was just going to say what is interesting is Pochettino and the scouting team did identify a replacement for Dembele. And the guy they identified was Undumbele, Tangai, who we've now signed. And, of course, we signed him in the summer that followed. And the, what basically happened in January was the club decision was, well, we let him go for free at the end of the season, or we get, I think it was like £9 million for him now, but we go the rest, you know, Tangai's not available till the summer. The club we were buying him from have made that abundantly clear. So you know what Pochettino was like. You know, and you know, I'm laying a lot of this blame on Daniel Levy here, but you know, Pochettino, Pochettino would much rather go, yeah, I'd rather go without him, and I'll play a kid from the academy and get the guy I want in the summer, mm. than you bring in Benjamin Stambouli. Mm. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> and and it be a disaster. So I, I do get the decision around Dembele. I get the getting some money for him rather than nothing. But like you just said, then the the kind of overall planning or lack of when it comes to recruitment and sales because he wasn't like the start of that season he suddenly busted down it was last season so why did we wait till january you know yeah (laughs) Yeah. the summer before should have been the summer that dembele sat down like pochino used to talk about all these tough conversations with players that should have been one that was like, are you able to do this anymore? And he'd have gone, nah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but like, we've mentioned it before, haven't we? He, he got embarrassed by, uh, I think it was Pogba, wasn't it, in the uh, court, uh, the semi-final. Yeah, yeah. And you could yeah. see that that's, he just wasn't the Dembele that, that we knew and loved. You know, you, you could no. see that he just it wasn't him anymore. And I, I don't no. think that he would have made a difference in the Champions League final. I don't think he, I don't think he no. would. Like that Maybe a 27-year-old Dembele would have, but not the Dembele yeah. at the time, you know? No, the, the, the guy we had, those two seasons, the last two seasons at the lane, I, I would put Dembele as one of the best midfielders in the world. Absolutely. That time. He was phenomenal. Yep. I agree. And every player who played with him and against him during that time was like, who's the best player? Dembele. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, he is something else. He was fantastic, and yeah. Yeah, he really was. And so that guy in the champion yeah 100% but he wasn't that guy at that point so I think that's a key thing to remember um next up we got Matthew Fleming hello Matthew he says two questions from me well that's bloody greedy Matthew (laughs) I'm going to read them both and might only answer one of them (laughs) um Okay, first one is, what are your thoughts on Undombele? It's frustrating to see him on the bench every game, particularly when he might have brought some spark to the snooze fest. That was the Everton game. Uh, I'll let you take the first crack at that one. Yeah. What's your take on that? Well, he, when, he, when he came on against Bournemouth at half-time, he, he made a difference. He, he, he just made a difference yeah. to, to, the, to the team. And I, I, I was, imp- I think I might have even messaged you at the time. I said, I like, I'm impressed with him since he's come on. Yeah. You know, I, I do, I, I don't, and he's he's one of those players that can just find that pass. And he was he was even doing it yesterday. You know, he he's yeah, really yeah. and, and he, like, when you look at um like you know I like Lamella, I do like Lamella, but Lamella's yeah. got this frustrate frustrating um tendency to hold onto the ball too long until he loses yeah. it. You know, 
And Dembele is quicker, he's sharper. And he is like, you know, you, you mentioned it earlier that he was going to be the replacement for Dembele. And you can yeah. see him potentially being a replacement for him. He's the kind of player that, yeah. that, that I think will make a you, difference. You could understand, if you were Pochettino, knowing your ability to coach players, you could you could easily look at Dembele and go, yeah, that is a guy who could slot into the Tottenham team, into that midfield role, midfield role that Dembele vacates, younger a little bit more agile, but you could easily coach in those extra... Because you see the way... The thing that always impresses me with him is he beats people with his body shape. Mm. It's hard to explain this on a podcast, but like you see the ball coming towards him and a defender will come in and he'll shape his body in a way that he then goes. And the, and the guy who's coming in the mark him is like, oh, bloody hell, you know, I can't get near him. Yeah. And the only way to get near him is then to foul him. Which of course is like Dembele. You know, Dembele used to get kicked senseless, but the guy was just an absolute machine. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I find it frustrating. I think the main reason why I find it frustrating though is just under the way Jose's been with him, because I mean we've talked about this before, but I am never a fan of the kind of public calling out. I, I like for me, management's about how do you motivate people. If, for example, he identified that the only way Tango is the, you know, Tango is the kind of guy that if you embarrass him in public, that's it, you'll come back fighting. That's one thing, I suppose. I wouldn't have agreed with it, but maybe I'd look at it and go, clearly it worked. Mm. Well, it didn't. Mm. The guy looks like a, and has looked for some time, like you just don't want to be there. Yeah. Yeah. He looks, he looks down. He looks like his head's down. His body language is poor. And it's because he joined the club to play from Mauricio Pochettino with a clear vision in his head of how he was going to play, what the, what the plan was. I remember when he first joined, like Mauricio, on a regular basis, used to talk about, oh, you know, he's um he's going to take a while to adjust. It's going to take a while to adjust. You know, it's a big step from France to England. The physicality in that position, you know, everyone needs to be patient. We've got a real player here. That is a massive difference compared to he's lazy... He needs to put in more effort. Uh, and you, you could just tell that Tango is clearly a guy who needs the arm around him. Don't worry, mate. I trust you. Things are going to get better. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to, you're crap. You're useless. Why don't you put in more effort? Yeah, of course. And it is it's painful to watch because it's not the first time Jose's done this with a with a player. And then you see these other players play under different... You know, look at Man United right now. Pogba and Martial, who Mourinho hated and really treated like crap, are outstanding for him. Mm, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I find it frustrating, but not not because I necessarily I think he should walk into our team right now because his form doesn't you know doesn't command that. But I think the reason why his form doesn't command it is because of the way he's being managed. But that's that's just my personal opinion. I agree. Uh, Matthew's Matthew's second question is: How patient should I be with Jose? Um, from day one, I hated seeing him in our kit. Yeah, I didn't know that feeling. But should we at least give him the next season before calling for his head? Part of my frustration is probably that he replaced my all-time favourite manager, but he's a hard manager to get behind. That's a that's a very well-worded question. He is. He Good is, isn't he? He, he, he? He's. You're right. He's, he has. He has worded that really well because he's. Um, there's no doubt that he's a massively, extremely successful manager. There's no doubt about that. And you'd, you'd kind of, if you if you, if you didn't know the guy. So say like um, I don't know. You just 
been on the been on the, the, the international space station for the last ten years, and you come down, mm-hmm. and then someone says Spurs have, have taken on a manager who's just probably the third most successful manager in the entire history of football. You'd be like, oh wow, yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah. But then yeah. you, when you know Mourinho and you see him, then it, I think it takes it puts a different perspective on it. And like you just said, yeah. the way he's been treating and Dombella, you know, he's he's just. Uh, I don't know if it's just he's he's as he's as he's got older and he's he's kind of like his cynicism's come with like uh, being in the yeah. game for so long, but he just comes across so bitter, doesn't he? And he does. I, I, I know I know like the, the great managers in 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 the history of football, that they, they, they don't take losing well. And no. you know, like good example would be Arsene Wenger. I mean, he won countless trophies for them lot, but we used to take a lot of joy when Arsenal lost. Because you'd see how much he hate, how much he hated losing, you know, and he never took yeah. it well. And like, you know, he'd get into fights with managers, wouldn't he, and kick bottles, yeah. and we'd all laugh. Yeah. And Mourinho obviously doesn't take losing very well, but it's almost yeah. like he, he he doesn't take it well. But then he just kind of he's the way he doesn't take it well kind of has a negative effect on your attitude towards him and possibly the players, well, you know. Well, to me, it feels like he's kind of, and this just. This could just be a perception, but it feels like he's the kind of guy who looks at that performance, goes in the dressing room and goes, what the hell's wrong with you all? You know, he doesn't take it on himself. He doesn't go, ah, bloody hell, you yeah, need my to tactics. change things. Yeah. This, this ain't working. Mm. I, I get the feeling he goes in there and goes, God, you know, I told you to do this and you didn't. I told you to do this. Because I don't know about you, but watching them, they look like they've been overcoached. Which is a really weird term, but what I mean by that is like Sonny, for example, on three occasions, edge of the box, does that where, you know, you, you see him, he shifts it to his right foot. I've watched him do that ever since he signed for us, and I know what's coming next. Outside the box is a curve to the far corner. Mm. Sometimes it is smash go well wide. Sometimes it's the top corner and we go mental, yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's what he does. I watched him do that so many times and then pick a pass sideways or backwards and I'm like that isn't him that's not his natural game so that means he is being coached that unless he's got a clear pass or a clear shot or something to to keep the ball mm. to pass it don't don't take it on mm. and we haven't registered a shot against Bournemouth we've won 1-0 against Everton where our top goal scorer since the restart own goal you know <laughs> Him and him and Kane battling out for the Tottenham Golden Boot at the moment. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, I I just don't know what to say about that. But like you said earlier on about positives, we have kept two clean sheets, and you kind of look at that and go, "Is that what he's doing then? Is Jose basically gone right? We're a shower. Let's start from step one. Stop conceding. Yeah. You know, okay. Now we've stopped conceding. Now we're going to build from that." Because if you kind of felt like that was what was happening, you kind of go, okay, I get it. Yeah, it's dull as crap right now. Yeah, the results are boring, etc. But at least I know where we're going. Mm. The issue is our most recent experience of him as a manager is at Man United, where at his end of his tenure there, you know, the fans and everyone just constantly, it is so dull. It is so crap to watch. It is so rubbish. And you're kind of you've still got that kind of ringing in your ears whilst we're watching this now, going, "This is so crap to watch. Yeah. This is so rubbish." It's like we've it's almost like we've just taken it on, haven't we, from Man United? Yeah, 
Yeah, it, it's exactly how it feels. It doesn't feel like the the Jose Mourinho who seemed refreshed and full of new ideas when he joined us now looks and sounds like the guy who was at Man United. Mm. Mm. Um, but anyway, uh, so hopefully we've answered them. Uh, your actual question was how patient should you be? I think that's a personal choice. <laughs> um, I, I know for a fact... Well, I say I know for a fact. I know from what I've read online, there's more anger aimed at Daniel Levy than there is at Jose Mourinho. Yeah, I, I feel angry you towards know. Levy than I do towards Mourinho at the moment. Yeah. Um, in fact, the North London Derby this weekend, apparently there's going to be a biplane with a banner saying Daniel Levy or Enoch out. Um, I saw that there was crowdfunding for it, and it's it's happening. Five hundred and fifty pound plus VAT, apparently. Isn't too bad. Do you know what? If I had proper money, you know, and I I could afford that as kind of a thing, there'd be some people that I don't like. I'd have planes going over their house every week. Yeah, just like over the back garden. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just like you know, all throughout the summer, just like you know, a few exes. I hate you. Home <laughs> yeah. Yeah, happy anniversary, now go f- yourself. I did actually say that if they were willing to change the banner to one of you shoot you bastards, I'd chip in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just someone effing shoot, will you? Um, Pass yeah, it to I'd put a tenor in. I- I'd do it, yeah. In fact, I wonder if i got enough time to do a second plane. <laughs> yeah. Can you just um, tag anyway. in the other one? <laughs> Yeah, just ring the guy up. God, they've already paid. Go on, mate. Do a second banner. Take it on. <laughs> Enoch out and yeah, shoot so, your bastards. Yeah so, yeah, so basically on either side. So he like flies round one way the first time, all Enoch out. And as he comes back round, it says, now shoot your bastard. <laughs> um, anyway, the next question is from Ben Teary. Ben says, following last week's podcast when it was said... Oh, he listens. Thanks, Ben. Following last week's podcast when it was said we were at our best with Rose when he was good and Walker and that enforcer being Wanyam or Dyer next to Dembele, are we only a pair of fullbacks and a decent enforcer away from being good again? With Gio looking like he could play Ericsson's old role, yeah, potentially, Bergwijn looking like a good quality player, and maybe Undombele and Sessignon coming into their role soon, I just feel like picking up young quality right back like maybe Max Ahrens and a central midfielder would sort us out. I'd like to think Undombele will help with the transitioning, and that's what he does when Kane and co. actually attack. Sorry for the long-winded question. That's a really great question from Ben, to be honest with you, because... Um, you could argue that, yeah, on paper, we are only two or three players away. You know, Harry Kane's still a world-class striker. Hugo Lloris is still a world-class goalkeeper. Probably one or two seasons left of that, but he is. Um, Toby Alderweireld's still very much a world-class central defender. Probably another two years of that. Davinson Sanchez, despite what most of you would believe, is a very good defender. He just needs more protection in front of him, something that we've lacked. Um, Eric Dyer has proven to be a very good central defender, much more than a, a defensive midfielder anyway. So, yeah, you could say uh, Holtberg from Southampton could solve many problems. Um, Max Ahrens, perhaps from Norwich, could solve a problem at right back. Um, and then, I, I mean, I'd argue that we do need to add a left back as well, but... The club could argue back that Davies is very reliable and we've got Dennis Serkin coming from the academy. So, yeah, you, you could say that. The only thing is, is I do just feel like the whole squad needs some sort of shake-up. 
Um, now, that might not necessarily mean improving in certain areas, but maybe just making changes. So, for example, for me, and as much as I like him and his tenacity, I think Eric Lamella needs to leave the club. Yeah, I agree with that one, mate. I do agree with that. Um, I think Lamella needs to leave, and I think perhaps Lucas Moura does as well. Um, mm. And for my love of what happened in Amsterdam, he just has never really been a bang on, nailed on, first name on the team sheet player for us. Mm. Um, you know, wonderful memories of his time with us. But I think we could get fairly decent money for those two. And you've got Sonny and Bergwijn. You've got Sessignon who wants to play as a wide attacking player rather than a left back, which is fine. But at the moment, our squad's overloaded with that. Um, we're constantly being linked with a wide attacking player. You know, think Fraser from Bournemouth is a player we're constantly being linked with. Um, on a on a free transfer, you know, you sell those two and bring in a free transfer. I mean, that's you know, that's Daniel Levy business all day. But it's kind of it's just about maybe making changes, some fresh faces, some new ideas, some some people who train a little bit different, some people who aren't in their comfort zone anymore. Um, Serge Aurier and Musa Sissoko are two other players I think could could and should leave. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like the thing is, like I was, you know, you're talking about players to go, and mm. although Musa Sissoko has improved, I just yeah. don't think he's at a level that we that we need no. at the club. If we're going, like, it's the same with Lamella. Like Lamella's a decent player, but you know, like I mentioned earlier, you know, he, he just holds on to the ball too much, and he's just yeah. a frustrating player. And yeah. I, I feel like, yeah, a, a refresh. And I, do you know what I was yeah. going to ask you, uh, Sam? Obviously, talking about players coming in and a different perspective yeah. on it. Do you think, even though you know we talk about Mourinho and, and um, you know his history and, and his success and where he's yeah. now, do you think he's he's still an appeal to players? Do you think he's still like you know like yeah, player like I Max? So. You think so? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, I think. Um, I see a lot of it will greatly depend on the presentation of the club you know and the presentation of Jose as the manager mm. but like if I'm a player and I'm looking at Tottenham as a, as a potential club to sign for when Mauricio Pochettino was there after the first season I'd have looked at that and gone mm, are you going to be there for longer you know I don't know you, you kind of had a average first season in charge you're making a lot of changes to the squad Tottenham have got a habit of hiring and firing um, you know, yeah, okay, maybe. You look at, if I was looking to sign for Tottenham after Mauricio had been there for three years, you're like, I know exactly what I'm getting. Yeah. I know exactly yeah. how I'm going to be training, I know exactly how I'm going to be playing, who I'm going to be playing for. There's a security there, there's a kind of a clear vision. Under Jose, we don't have that right now. Um, but going into next season, it's kind of up to him to present that, to kind of go... This is how we're going to be. And when he speaks to players, I think if Jose says, this is what it's going to be, I think a lot of players, I think that still carries weight. It'd be the equivalent of Ferguson coming back into management and saying, this is what I'm going to do. There'd be a lot of players who'd just be like, yeah, it's Ferguson. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah whatever, course, sir. Yeah. <laughs> of yeah, course. Yeah. And I think with Jose, it's a very similar, very similar thing because he has won so much everywhere. Mm. Um, you know, you look at Ryan Sessignon, who's undoubtedly frustrated not to be getting the minutes he wants. Every interview, though, 
he's talking about how interesting it is, work, it is to work with Jose Mourinho. He's talking about, you know, he's constantly talking to me about different things, constantly saying about, you know, do this, do this, you know, this is where you want to work, work on this, work on that. And he's like, so it's constant. And to be fair, there's an awful lot of Man United players, the younger players, who are also talking quite highly about the impacts he had on them. Um, McTominay says, you know, when he gave me my debut, he, you know, really, you know, really walked me for everything I needed to do. Um, uh, Rashford talks quite highly about him. Um, Greenwood has as well. So clearly as a man manager to some players, he's still very much on the ball. Um, yeah, sure. It just seems to be, it just seems to be that when there's someone rubs him the wrong way or something he's an ass um but then again mm. i suppose everyone's kind of like that but um to go back to it ben it's hard it's hard to say because until we do it you know you could have looked at our team on paper last summer and gone two to three good signings and you know we're we're looking good tango and dumbele giovanni lachelso and ryan sessignon all came in but due to injury or whatever i think between them, the average game time this season is like nine games. Yeah, I saw Think that. Yeah, that's like a hundred and fifty million pounds worth of three players, and they've already contributed. It's been the same players still playing. We need to make changes. It needs to be outbound. Needs to be as important and as prioritised as inbound, because there has to be a freshening. When the players come back after what's going to be a very short break. They need to come back to a fresh feeling because if they don't, it's just going to continue. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. That's, because that's the, my take. Yeah, and and also like you know, like you say, you normally you think, well, you know, you've got like a, a the, the season will end in May. You've got another, you know, you've got all all of June, all July. Yeah. But but we're not going to have that this time. It's going to no. almost feel like the season's going to carry on, like you know, with a very short break. Yeah. You know. It's going to be a very short break. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it, they need to do something to make it feel like stuff's different and fresh. As stupid as this sounds, but like paint the dressing rooms a different color. Yeah. Anything, yeah. just make, make it, it feel. Yeah. Make yeah. it feel different. Yeah. yeah. Make it feel different. Yeah. Um. Michael Joseph says question related to your blog. I think this is aimed at me because I went a bit blog crazy this week. <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a Levy or Enoch out supporter, but at what point does Levy's harsh business dealings affect our squad recruiting to a point of not moving forward? It seems we have lost a few signings over a few million or so. I know they've done great things for the club, but I wouldn't want to do business with Levy. <laughs> no, no, nor would I. Yeah. Um. It is a. I mean, I I did write a blog. I mean, if you're listening to this and if you've not read it, go to our website www.spursnews.co.uk. Um, I wrote a. And it's quite an essay, by the way. So you know, sit down, grab grab a drink, um, maybe a cake. Um, five thousand odd words I wrote. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, it's like a novel. Um, basically, I I just want to try. I tried to explore the kind of pros and the cons of the Enoch period of, of Tottenham Hotspur with we are a transformed club from when they bought us like I cannot put into words how different we are from when Alan Sugar owned us to where we are now it is like apples and oranges we are in a different league and a different sport now <laughs> it's, yeah, it's sure. so different the training ground then to now is like amateur to professional the stadium from then to now, as much as I love White Hart Lane, is just like another level. 
the commercialization of the club globally now is like mind blowing. Like I don't go anywhere now, which is true. I mean, you'll you'll know this more as remember this much as me. As a kid, I went places. I never saw other Tottenham fans. Everyone was in a Man United shirt, maybe a Liverpool shirt. As years went on in the Russian Bolton, maybe a few Chelsea shirts to pop up. I'd never see a Tottenham fan. I cannot go anywhere now without bumping into a Tottenham fan. Yeah, sure. Or at least seeing some poor kid slapped in a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Whether they're a fan or not is another matter, but they're, they're wearing our gear. Um, and, you know, that's, that's home and abroad. It's nuts. So the club has been transformed and you cannot look at them and just be mad at them about transfers without going, you know what? All of that stuff's amazing. The stability, the financial growth, all of that is phenomenal and thank you. But we support a football team, not a bank balance. Mm. You know, mm. I do not go to a ground and like be like, net spend champions, we're the net spend champions. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it doesn't happen. And maybe we should. Maybe maybe that's our way of dealing with it. Maybe that should be it. You know, 60,000 Tottenham fans singing about we're the net spend champions you'll never sing that um but genuinely you support a football team and we want to see the football team win and i think me and you discussed it and i think you said it best when you said to me as much as i'd love to win trophies this is during peak pochettino you know those two years where we were great three years but at the moment i'm loving every game i go into every game thinking we're going to win this and I, even if we don't, I know every player put into it and I know the next game we're going to come out firing. Yeah. And it was that every single game, we looked forward to every game. Like, who do we have next? Man City. Oh, that's going to be a great game. Yeah. Who have we got next? Bournemouth. Oh, right. We, we put seven past them last time, five past them the time before. What do you reckon it's going to be this time? We felt confident. We were enjoying watching the football team we support. No amount of League Cups under George Graham is going to make me feel as good as those two to three years under Pochettino did. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. You know, on the day, wonderful, we lifted a trophy. But two to three years of just absolutely loving every game. You know, just enjoying it so much. And sometimes you don't know what you've got till it's gone. And we've lost that now. And it is just so painful. Yeah. And unfortunately, the reason we've lost it, the decisions that have been made that have led to us for losing it, does fall on Daniel Levy and Enoch. It does fall on the chairman because that's that's where the buck stops. You know, if the players stop performing for a manager, the buck stops with the manager. When the squad, when the manager's been crying out publicly for two years what needs to happen, you ignore him and then sack the guy, the buck kind of stops at you. Yeah, completely. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, so that's my take on that. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, Peter Robinson says, uh, <laughs> After suffering the Bournemouth match on TV, I was wondering if the players, not a, not a Spurs player's excuse, struggle to concentrate on the pitch because of all these ridiculous flashing advertising hoardings. I was struggling to see them with the flashing hoardings. It also looked like the Bournemouth players were camouflaged into the stadium as it was decorated all the same colours as their shirts. Wasn't it Man United who changed their shirts at half-time once? Yeah, they did, because they claimed they couldn't see each other. Sorry, daft question, but tried to give you something else to think about. Thanks, Pete. Really appreciate that. <laughs> did you did you notice, actually, that's reminded me in the first half yeah. when Harry Winks passed the ball to a, a player on What's the up? sideline. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that again just summed us up, didn't it? 
<laughs> Winksy looking up and going, go on, mate, you're through. Oh, yeah, you're not playing, are you? Yeah. Oh, damn it. Yeah. My, my favourite thing about that, right, is as, he turned, as he's turned back, you actually could lip read Jose giving him shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but not like in a kind of having a go at him way, but just like in a, he ain't on the pitch, Harry. <laughs> Harry, and he like wouldn't look round at him, but he just kept saying it. He's not playing, Harry. Harry! <laughs> you see him just like, I'm not looking. I'm not looking at you. I'm not going to look. Yeah, well, yeah, he deserved a bit. Oh, dear. That, but, yeah, um, it's funny, actually, because um, my um, my little one, the last time I watched a game of her, she actually said that she found the hoardings, the advertising things, kept changing. She's like, if I was playing, I'd find that really distracting. Um. I don't, I don't know. I think if you're in the game and you're doing it, I don't think that is a distraction, really. Mm, mm. Um, I think for us watching with the stadium empty, seeing the kind of colouring and the players against it, possibly, I think at pitch level, you're not going to struggle, you know, unless you're Harry Winks. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, next one is from Simon Whiteman, who says, Are we concerned that Ryan Sessignon isn't getting a chance? He doesn't seem that type to not make an effort in training. Also, Lucas hasn't impressed for a while, yet he's picked in the last two games. Well, he didn't start last. Um, we kind of touched on the Sessignon thing a minute ago. Uh, he's got age on his side, Sessignon, as well. I I think it's a case of Jose not knowing what to do with him at the moment. Because yeah. Jose has said publicly he isn't a left-back, and I think Ryan Sessignon doesn't want to play there as well. I think if we were playing a wing-back system, I think perhaps we might have seen him get some minutes. Um, but yeah, we are kind of overloaded in the, you know, the Bergwijn, Son, uh, Lucas, uh, Deli, Lachelso, Lamella. You throw Sessignon in there as well. I mean, there is a rumour that we were going to loan him next season. Um, you know, get a season's loan in the Premier League, try and get him some minutes, get him some games. Um, I don't know. I... I the kid's undoubted talent and it's difficult because Mauricio Pochettino wanted him. We signed him. The player wanted to train under Mauricio. You know, he said it publicly enough. So, again, we've got a situation where this player's come in and then the manager's gone. Yeah. So, there's probably a bit of like, ah, now what? Mm. <laughs> um, uh, like with Tangi, um, yeah, it's an interesting one because I definitely don't want to see us lose him. Um, I don't want the player to get upset and frustrated. But at the same time, if the manager ain't picking him, there's got to be a reason. He's a, a youngster as well, so you know he's, he's he got is, he he's is. got time. He's got time on his side, hasn't he? And you'd, you'd hope to think that Mourinho is saying to him, "Look, you know, let's just let's just give it a bit of time. Let's work out your best yeah. position, and then you know, let's see where we go from here." But he's, he's in he's in no massive rush, is he? I mean, he, he he was really desperate to come to Spurs, and whether that was to work under Pochettino or just because, he, you know, no disrespect to Fulham, we are kind of at the moment a bigger club, so there was yeah, yeah, there was the big yeah. appeal there. So he's, he, he, I think he's happy being here, and post hope I'm hoping he's just you know let's just be have a bit of patience, and then a bit like with Bow, you know, Bow was you know he he wasn't yeah. playing much was he for a season or so, and then suddenly he just no, blew onto no. the scene, didn't he? So yeah, uh, an an injury to. Fun time, Benny Asuakoto. Um yeah. yeah, so Ryan Miller's next up. He says, with young, talented players like Greenwood, Rashford, Foden, Garcia, Alexander-Arnold coming through the ranks of top Premier League teams, 
With a fantastic academy that Tottenham has, surely we have some youth players who can break through and take the league by storm. We need a right-back, a left-back, a striker and a central defensive midfielder. There must be someone! <laughs> I'm really disappointed with the first team at the moment. Definitely gone backwards. Bring in some youth who actually care for the club and want to play. Which is, ironically, what Pochettino did. <laughs> yeah. to, to get us firing again. Yeah. He injected Ryan Mason, Andros Townsend... Um, Harry Kane, have anyone heard of him? Yeah, Harry <laughs> Kane. Um, you know, Tom Carroll, uh, Harry Winks as well, not far behind them. Josh Onoma, Carl Walker Peters. <sighs> Frustrated. Um, we, we have, through the academy, some very, very talented players. The issue that Mauricio Pochettino ran into is once you step up from the level of where we were, which was a kind of a 6th, 7th place team trying to fight to the top 4, um, the youth players weren't at the level of experience you need to try and win those big games, uh, try and win the games and shut the games out, etc. And he was kind of struggling to bring through the next batch. Um, you look at Josh Onoma, Carl Walker-Peters, for example, there's two phenomenal football players there whose careers have completely stalled because of it. Yeah. Um, Marcus Edwards was part of that academy in take who's now looking like a phenomenal player in Portugal um, if any of you read a story that we're going to re-sign him don't listen to that <laughs> um, but yeah you know just for such great talent throughout the club um, but unfortunately it's been a real difficult thing to try and because once you're in the top four if there is a player that comes through and this this is kind of on the fans the fans are really quick to get on people. You know, Josh Onoma came through and was being brought into games like 45 minutes here, 20 minutes there, coming on. And fans were jumping on him. And and it was awful. You know, he was getting so much stick. You know, Carl Walker-Peters came in the Champions League and made a mistake that led to a goal against Barcelona. And people slaughtered him for it. He has a good game for Southampton against Man City the other night. And people are screaming at the club for loaning him out. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well... Come on. <laughs> you know, fans, you can't talk about how he's not good enough on social media constantly. Now, all of a sudden, because he's had a run of games, he does look good enough. You've changed your opinion. Mm-hmm. You have to be patient and you have to do this weird thing called support. <laughs> we are football supporters. Support Absolutely. the players. Yeah. Get behind them. Because he, he could easily put Oliver Skip into that defensive holding role. He really could. I have been talking about this kid on this podcast since the podcast started with me and you. He is a phenomenal football player who is ready to be a Premier League regular. I honestly believe that. But he needs games because he needs experience. Yeah. He ain't getting it. Mm. And this is another talent that the club are just completely wasting by having him just kicking around the first team, you know, carrying water bottles. Ain't doing him no good. This season, he could have been in the championship and played 40-odd games. And he'd have everyone would be talking about how next season he's going to be the starter for us because he's phenomenal. I have that much faith in him. And yet he hasn't. He's he's done what this year? Nothing. Mm. you got Dennis Serkin, who was undoubtedly a really, really talented left-back at the club uh, who likes to get forward and stuff like that. But again... he. He needs to play games. And the minute he makes a mistake, the fans are turn on him. I thought Ben Davis is quite a reliable, tidy player. If you go on social media from last night, people are 
demanding his head. And I'm like, really? Is he that much worse than every other player on the pitch? Yeah. Or is it that he just isn't peak Danny Rose? Yeah. And that, there for me lies the problem. We had Rose and Walker at their peak. And so now everybody looks at our fullbacks and go, well, you're not that, so you're crap. Yeah, that's the problem. And, we, and I'm guilty of it. And we're both guilty of it, aren't we? Comparing the yeah, club to, to, to those those years. But you just can't yeah. help it because they, like you, like you said earlier, you know, it was just two years of just amazing football. Every, every, every game yeah. thinking we're going to win this. Yeah, but the thing is, and you'll know, those two players didn't become awesome overnight. No. Exactly. Danny Rose, when he signed his new contract when Pochettino arrived... He left social media because of how much crap he got from Tottenham fans. Mm. Tottenham fans were laughing and mocking him for getting a new five-year contract because of how crap he was. He was then the best left-back in the country for three to four years. Arguably, in those two seasons, him and Walker, for me, were the best full-backs in Europe. Yeah, I'd agree. And they weren't that going into it. You know, Walker went out on loan to Aston Villa at one point. He was in and out of the team. I mean, God's sake, Carl Norton kept him out of the team for one point. (laughs) You know, people forget that they have to play games. They have to get experience. And then, finally, when they've got that, and they they will have their peak years, if you like. They will be good. But you cannot just expect a youth player to step into the team and be the be on end up because that is the kind of rarity. Trent Alexander Arnold is a rarity, you know, Liverpool. How many other Liverpool young Liverpool players you look at go, oh they're good. They're really good. None of them are in their first team every week. Mm. Alexander Arnold is. At Tottenham, we looked at uh Andros Townsend, Carroll, all these players, well oh, they're good, they're good. Harry Kane's the one who's in the team every week. Mm. And deserves to be. You know, these are the rarities. You know, the, the list the guy said. Um, you you know, not all of them. You know, Jaden Sancho, who's a fantastic young player, had to go to Germany to get first team games. You know, he had to because it was the only way he was going to get first team minutes and develop as a football player. He was in Man City's academy. I mean, we tried to sign him, funnily enough. But anyway, yeah, there you go. I'm off my soapbox now. I've stepped down. <laughs> Um, my basic gist is yeah we got the players everyone needs to be patient with them though yeah I agree oh, end rant Stefan Cruz Alvarez also known as Stepan Superstar Stefan it's easy for me to say <laughs> having watched parts of the last few games not being able to get that ket yet oh ketamine um, and seeing the heat map today Spurs have become so defensive and when that appears to be our weakness recently I'm so confused when we have the attacking players we have, why are we having games without a shot on target? I didn't want Jose from day one. Never any excitement. Only dread. He is not turning around my feelings. Yeah, and that's like we said it earlier, haven't we, that it yeah. almost feels like Mourinho's just saying, let's not lose and go from there. And we should probably yeah. answer the question. It does, I think. I think we've kind of covered and answered that. Um, okay, the final questions from James Campbell... Um, James has written an essay. Uh, just wanted to follow up on two points from last week's podcast. The first one is from Matt. Yay! <laughs> Regarding his ideas on the offside rule, here's another possibility. Let me know what you think. Are you ready, Matt? Okay. When, if the attacking player is onside, as long as his feet are even with the defender's feet... This would allow the attacking player to be leaning forward or have part of their body behind the defender, but as long as their feet are even, it would be fine. 
What do you think? Yeah, that makes sense because you tend to play football with your feet, don't you? So it's, it's, the clue's in the name. <laughs> yeah, 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 the clue is in the name. So that, unless that, you're American, of course. Yeah. So so that 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 yeah that makes sense. That 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 makes absolute sense because. You know, if you if your foot's if your foot's going to be the the part of your body that's touching the ball, then it shouldn't make a difference if your shoulders ahead of someone's foot. Or so, yeah. You know but what? What if right? What if your feet are on side, but you lean right forward and you head the ball in? <laughs> yeah. oh, wait, how about you? How about your feet and your head? But apart from yeah. that, I'm part other of your than body. that, <laughs> other than that, you're fine. Yeah. Okay. Um, the second point is regarding your discussion on VAR. Here's how they do it in the Major League Soccer MLS. When the VAR contacts the referee, three things can happen. The ref can choose to completely ignore the advice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two, the VAR can tell the ref it's a very obvious mistake that doesn't need to be reviewed on the pitch. Side monitor, like offside or something. The ref can take the advice and change the call. The game moves on. Or three, the referee can choose to review the play on the pitch side monitor that either keep or reverse his original decision. Notice that all these scenarios, the VAR cannot overrule the referee. The VAR is only there for consultative purposes. What do you guys feel are the pros and cons of this method as compared to the way the Premier League does it? Well, anything compared to the way the Premier League does it, it's a bloody improvement, in my opinion. Yeah, and you, and you mentioned it earlier, didn't you? That the 2018 World Cup, yeah. when they referred to the monitor, I think I'd prefer that because, you know, you know why I think it would be a good idea is yeah. the case in point yesterday with with the penalty that yeah. we didn't get given. You know, you talk about the old boys' club; they're not gonna they're not gonna reverse uh, a referee's decision if he's made it on the pitch. But if yeah. if the referee on the pitch goes to that monitor and looks at it. I'm sure he'd feel more comfortable saying, "Look, I've got this wrong." You know, I'm I'm not being overruled by anyone. I'm just looking at it now, you know, from a different angle. And yeah, that's a penalty. So he he doesn't face the, you know, he he's not he's not getting embarrassed by anybody because you know he's getting overruled because he the only person who's going to overrule it is is himself. Is himself, yeah. Yeah. And that and that's the thing. It does appear to be this kind of oh, I don't want to I don't want to show my mate up. Yeah. But in reality, it's like oh yeah, you want to take another look at that? I think. I think perhaps you'll you'll change your mind because I remember in the World Cup a few times where if we looked they went no I'm happy no no I saw that but I don't think that's a penalty and it's kind of like okay mm. VAR for me should add something it should help us get decisions right and it should benefit the game currently I watch a goal go in and I because there's no fans there I'm generally not feeling anything because yeah. it's kind of like well let's wait and see what happens. Mm. You know, like I like I said, I do the page updates. So, like, something happens, I start typing the page update to put it out there. Last night, I had the whole Bournemouth thing written, ready to post. You know, they'd scored, and it was like, oh, hang on. No, they haven't. Oh, great, delete. I like that one. But the amount of times I've written, like, go, Kane, get in. Oh, no, wait, no. Mm, okay, yeah. fair enough. Yeah, it gets, gets silly, doesn't it? It is frustrating. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I accept technology is the way to go. I accept it's in the game now, so it's not going to leave the game. Um, it just needs to be improved upon. And I think I said this last week, if all of us as fans could feel like it's improving, we'd be okay with that. But it's the fact that it just feels like we're stuck in this rut of crap. Yeah. That, yeah, is frustrating. But anyway, that's all the questions. A big thank you to everybody who's been in touch. Um, we always really appreciate everyone who takes the minute to comment on the page and also people who message us. We've been getting a lot of uh, nice feedback recently. Um, 
yeah, it has been quite nice actually. Everybody, perhaps they're so fed up with Tottenham, they're kind of like, hey, you know. Did we have it? We had a home. we had a we had a chap, didn't we, that that told us that he listened to what is it, something like twelve episodes in three days or something. He did, yeah. Who was that? Let's let's look <laughs> that up quickly while while we're still here and we're talking. We had a message to the Facebook page um, from Ryan Miller. Uh, Ryan, you uh, said um, I've listened to twelve of them in the last two days talking about the podcast. So Ryan, wow, yeah, that's, mate, that's dedication. That really that's, is. That's hardcore. Um, well, sending you out a Spurs News podcast T-shirt and a mug. See, the thing is, my my wife can can just about bear listening to me for about ten minutes, and you've listened to me yeah. for would it be twelve hours in two yeah, days? Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe our love is in the air. Yeah, no, oh god. Uh, yes, um, mate. I mean, that's us done. I think um, we got the North London Derby coming this Sunday. Um, I am dreading it. Yes, and I, I cannot put in the words how I feel about it. To be honest with you, um, we will be back next week where we will be talking about it. And I am just saying prayers to all of my gods. <laughs> Somehow, we we win it because. I, I yeah, I don't know. How I'm going to face it if we can't. Because, Sam, there's no gods yeah. up there that have any any uh, interest in Spurs. Trust me. I mean, we, uh, <laughs> I mean you learn that by now. Who said I was looking up? <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks for joining me, my friend. We'll be back next week. Everybody, continue to take care, and we'll speak to you soon. Yeah, take care, mate. Thank you for listening to the Spurs News Podcast. Be sure to join over 50,000 other Spurs fans on our Facebook page at Spurs News. Until next time, come on, you Spurs. And remember, to dare is to do.